So the Bible reading comes from John 10, verse 7 to 18, which in the church Bibles starts on page 870. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Thank you, Alex. Good morning, friends. Wonderful to be with you uh, this Sunday morning. We are going to explore God's Word together as we continue in the Go series. Uh, We'll explore a little bit of John 10, but really we're looking at uh, a lot of what the Bible has to say uh, as we come before God and His Word together. I'm going to pray, uh, and then we'll get stuck in. Our good and our gracious God, we do thank you so much for your Word. And in this morning, as we do every other day, we are so thankful for the gospel. We're thankful for the good news of Jesus coming to your glory and for us. And so this morning we ask that you help us to embrace the gospel in a way that is deeper than we know in this moment. And then send us out to be your people uh, for your glory and the transforming of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in your life... Has there been a time, I imagine there would be a time, where you've heard a message, heard some news, and it's changed your life? Now, in some way. It might be something quite small, but is there something that's happened in your life? You've heard it, uh, and a message, and it's, it's changed your life. Can you think of some things? Now, most of the time when I've asked people this question throughout the week, we immediately think of quite negative things. It might be something like, we're letting you go. Like, I'm breaking up with you. Might be like, I've got, you've got cancer. Uh, someone was in a car accident. Very like negative things. And they certainly change our life. Sometimes uh, there's more positive news that changes our life. Now we just had Valentine's Day that happened last week. Or the week just gone. So some people may have got some nice messages that changed something about their life. Or maybe a lack of message that changed your life. It could be um, something about you've got a new job. 
It could be in the morning and someone comes up to you and say, I've brought you a coffee. That might change your life for that immediate moment. But in some way, shape or form, we hear messages uh, that change our life in varying degrees. Now, at Nawi, and if you've been part of Nawi or following Jesus, you know that the gospel is the thing uh, that changes lives. Specifically, the message about Jesus coming for us to the glory of God. And it's, it's a message that doesn't just change us in this moment, although it does change us in all the moments that we have to live until Jesus comes again and then for eternity. And so we long for that for ourselves and we long for that for other people. And so that is why we're doing this series called Go. Because we want to be about the gospel going out uh, to all people. And so the purpose of this sermon, in a sense, is to get to the heart of the matter. To look at the gospel. To look specifically at how it is that we can know and embrace the gospel so then we can go out and share the gospel. Because there's a double challenge that you and I face as we go out as ambassadors for Christ. There's a two-edged challenge. That we have to both embrace the gospel, know it deeply for ourselves but then know how it is we can effectively go and share the gospel in relevant and meaningful ways. Both those things uh, need to happen. And then something that we're not in control of, which is the spirit at work. But our journey is going to be looking at uh, those particular two things, how we know and embrace the gospel, and then how it is we go and share the gospel in relevant and effective ways. So to the first section, how is it we know and embrace the gospel as a life-changing message? First thing to recognize about it, or with anything that changes your life, is why. Why would that be important or significant? Now, when I was 10, I, uh, I loved cricket. I still love cricket, but I, I played when I was younger. And so when I was 10, I started, uh, I joined a, a local team, Penshurst West. Now, I'd only ever played backyard cricket with a tennis ball. So when you play backyard cricket, with a tennis ball, you think you're an amazing batter, right? So I went down and they said, oh, you batter a bowl? I said, oh, I'm a batter. I said, okay, yeah, yeah, have a bat. Gave me the, the, um, all the equipment and they said, kit it up. Oh, do you want a helmet? No, 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 don't need a helmet. Going in, batting, going really well. It's just spin, should be fine. Right? And I go for a pull shot, which is this one, comes off the top edge, whacks me straight in the right eye, fall to the ground, knocked out, go to hospital, I was acutely aware I needed a helmet, right, at that point. Now, for us, when it comes to the gospel, we might not be acutely aware that we need the gospel. But there's things in our life and things in other people's lives that they experience, like the pain, the brokenness, the longing that we have. And so we look for something. We look for something, a message, a person, a thing that's going to change our life. Something that makes sense of the world around us. Not only to prevent us from the pain, but something which is good. Something which is true. Something which is beautiful. Everyone in this world is searching for that life-changing message. And so we know that we've found that in the gospel. We know that we need God. Now, we talk about the gospel a lot. We use that word a lot. But what is it? What do we mean? In the most basic sense, when we say gospel, it just means good news. Good news specifically about Jesus to the glory of God and for our good. In some sense, it's super simple. That's the gospel. But also, the gospel is so vast and rich and deep and has all these beautiful complexities to it. And so many people have said the gospel is like this multifaceted diamond. 
that you can look at from so many different ways and it just brings so much richness and depth, even though you're just looking at that, that one thing. And so I want to briefly look at four different ways, four different kind of perspectives uh, that we can get when we understand the gospel. The first one is, how did Jesus share it? If you look at what, what did Jesus say about the gospel? There's so much we could say, but we'll just plan ourselves in John, the gospel of John, kind of biography of Jesus, and I'll share some words that he said. John 3.16, which many of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall never die, but have eternal life. If there's any verse that summarizes the gospel, that's probably that one. John 10, the one that Alex just had read for us. You hear about Jesus being the good shepherd who comes to bring his sheep, to gather his people because he loves them. The thief comes to destroy, but he comes to bring life to the full. He lays his life down for the sheep. That's another way that he shares the gospel. And then in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there's so many other verses. You could pick up all, all the Gospels and there'd be things in there. But you clearly hear that Jesus loves his people and God has sent him because he loves us. Jesus comes, he lives, he dies, he rises again uh, in victory so that we can re-enter relationship with God. Good, beautiful and true news. Now the second kind of... Four, that's four, gosh. The second news that we can, uh, the second way we can view the news of the gospel is through the, the apostles, the first Christians that were sent out from Jesus. How do they describe it? Now, we get some letters and we get some stories. Now, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, and this is the, kind of the first creed. So what our first Christian brothers and sisters recited to one another, which is about the history, the facts of the gospel. Paul says, what I receive, I pass on of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, then appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Kind of the history, the facts of what the gospel is about. When Peter is sharing the gospel in the story of Acts, he talks to uh, the Pharisees and more political religious leaders about the story of God and then says, Jesus is the one who God has sent, but you crucified him you killed him but god raised him from the dead and salvation is found in no one else there's no one no name under heaven by which mankind can be saved again centered on jesus then in ephesians which is another beautiful book about the story of god in the world and paul gives one of the richest and simplest explanations to the effect of the gospel what it does he says this we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we're dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Later on, he'll say it's through faith, not from ourselves. It's all from God so that no one can boast. Grace through faith, centered on God. We were dead, brought to life, and now going to live his way for his glory. And then there's a third kind of way that we can view the gospel. And that is looking at the overarching story of the Bible. And as you look at the overarching story of the Bible, there's lots of ways you can break it up. But a helpful way is to understand creation, fall, Jesus, and then uh, his return and the new heavens and the new earth. And in that story, 
we hear the gospel come out. Because in creation, we hear that God made the world and he made humans, he made you, and he made us in his image and made us good. That's where the story begins. But then humanity in the fall decides, well, we don't trust God's word fully. In a sense, we're deceived. We go after something else. Sever the relationship that we have with God. Sin's brought into the world. And so there's separation from God. There's guilt. There is shame. There is fear that comes in. And we see the effects of that that come into the world. And then the third section, you get Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection, what we've just been exploring. The Son of God comes restoring that relationship back with God, something that we needed, defeating sin, defeating death, and then the return of new creation. Because the gospel says that what you're experiencing now, in a sense, is true if you're a Christian, but we don't have the full relationship with God that we will experience when Jesus comes back again. We see now as if in a mirror dimly, but we'll see soon as if face to face. When Jesus comes back again, the new heavens, the new earth will come. There will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain for God's people and those that are not separated from him for eternity. So when you've got that story of the Bible, that in so many ways can connect with us and people. And then the fourth way to view the gospel is how some contemporary Christians have put it into a sentence or two, which is very helpful. And so I want to share three with you. Kind of that summarize that, draw all those things together into a nice sentence. They're on the screen. Now, Rebecca Pippett wrote this. She writes an awesome book called Stay Salt, uh, which the partial team have been reading. A lot of her words have informed uh, this sermon. She writes this. At its simplest, the gospel is the announcement of what God has done in history through the person of Jesus who came from heaven to earth for everyone who has ever lived and ever will live. It is the surprising movement of God into human history, recorded in the Bible, collimating in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is a helpful thing to remember. She was saying in her book that as she was learning the gospel for the first time, she would go around with her kid drop-offs and just recite that to herself uh, every day. There's another woman named Corey uh, Headington. Uh, She's a leader in one of the the churches in the U.S., and she says this, different uh, but helpful. God is real. God is alive. God wants to be in a life-transforming, eternal relationship with all people. And that relationship has been made possible through the reconciling actions of Jesus Christ. Another one is by N.T. Wright, prolific writer, great thinker for the church. He said, we're inviting people into a whole new way of understanding human experience in God. A whole new way of life rooted in a life the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good, the beautiful, the true news that Jesus has brought for us. And it's centered on him. And so, friends, if we are going to go, if we're going to go and see lives transformed, first we need to ensure that we embrace, we know the gospel for ourselves. Soak in it. Delight in it, learn it, wrestle with it. And as we embrace the gospel, then we can go out and reach others with the gospel. And so that brings us to this, that part of the journey. How is it that we can share this life-changing message? Because in a sense, as we embrace the gospel more and more, it'll just naturally flow out of us. But then we have to think about how. How can we effectively reach people who 
maybe hostile to Jesus or maybe indifferent, uh, who don't have a relationship with him yet? How do we share it? Now, when we talk about sharing the gospel, you've probably heard the word evangelism. Now, for some of you, that brings like a <gasps> kind of thought. Uh, it doesn't need to. When we talk about share evangelism, we just talk about sharing Jesus. And in sharing Jesus, Rebecca Pippet has given us uh, three ways to, to think about what sharing Jesus involves. Many people have said similar things, but I liked her wording. She says, evangelism is the act of sharing the good news in one word, so speaking it, in two, deed, and then three, invitation, calling people to trust in the Lord Jesus. So those three things, speaking the words of Jesus, speaking the gospel, living the way of the gospel, inviting people to investigate Jesus, inviting people to know him. That's what we talk about when sharing the gospel. And it covers uh, those things. Now, how that happens is going to be different almost every single time. There's going to be heaps of similarities, but it's going to be different. Because sometimes it happens at an event, sometimes it happens at a conference, some happen, sometimes it's happening in a sermon. But I love how Mike Frost also adds to that. He says evangelism is like a conversation. It's not usually some big event or occasion um, or particular things that happen, which means, okay, oh, now I get to talk about Jesus uh, with you. As distinct from talking in a natural, winsome, conversational way about how I make sense of my world through the lens of the gospel. How the gospel makes sense to us, we share that with whoever we're with in some way, shape, or form. And that means that there's going to be no kind of set formula. There is lots of different methods that we can use, but there is no this one formula that you have to use. There's no one size fits all. You think about Jesus. Think about how Jesus shared the gospel. When he called people to invite uh, to follow him, what did he do? At some points, he would say, you, come follow me. At other points, he would share a teaching here. He'd share a different teaching there. Then he'd share a parable about people. He'd share a parable about plants. He'd share a parable about something else. So many different ways of sharing, enticing, inviting people to come and learn more. Jesus evangelized in different ways. Same gospel, depending on who he was talking to. And then the first Christians, our first brothers and sisters who went out, they did very similar, almost the same kind of things. The best examples come in Acts. Like the story of how the gospel, the church, went out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And two great examples come uh, through Paul in Acts 13 and then Acts 17. In Acts 13, Paul is talking to super religious people. He's talking to Jews, and so he talks about, he, he uses the Old Testament, he uses the Bible to then link and explain Jesus. Now, when he gets to Athens in Acts 17, he's talking to people who have no idea about the Bible. Never heard of this God of the Bible in any meaningful way. So he doesn't start there at all. He starts with their prophets and their sayings and their statues and their religious way of thinking and then links that into Jesus. Completely different. Always centered on Jesus, uh, but a different way of going about it. Because what is the same with Paul and Jesus is they deeply know the gospel. They're embraced in the gospel, but then they know the people that they're reaching. They thought deeply and hard and thoughtfully about who they're going to reach. And so they do it in a, that kind of way. Now, sharing the gospel is a bit like building with Lego. Does anyone like Lego? I love Lego. 
Anyone watch uh, Lego Masters? Couple, yeah, how good's Lego Masters? Now, say in Lego Masters, you've got um, people who can build Lego that are experts. Say, for example, they had to build a car. Now, what they do is they go into the big Lego room, which that's part of the big Lego room, which is where they have every block available to them, every kind of piece and thing that they can use. But when the, the task is make a car, they don't get every single block. They get particular blocks. And they use particular techniques and particular creativity to make the car. It's the same with us when we share the gospel. We don't make up stuff. We go to the source of it, right? We go to the Bible. We, we work uh, in step with the Spirit. But we pick up particular things that are going to be particularly meaningful, the right techniques, the right pieces that are going to reach the person that we're seeking to share the gospel with so that it can be meaningful and effective. And we trust God to do his work. Now, for that kind of push-up that there's no formula, there are helpful methods. There are helpful gospel presentations uh, that we can use, maps and uh, ways of thinking about the Bible that we can then memorize or, or adapt uh, to help us. Now, Ange actually did a fantastic sermon on this on August uh, 6th last year, so very recently. And so if you want to know what are some great gospel presentations, Jump on YouTube, jump on our podcast, 6th of August, uh, find the sermon. That is a great sermon that you can look at for what are four gospel presentations that you can learn to adapt and then apply uh, as you share the gospel with others. But whatever you're using, whatever you're sharing, remember that Jesus is central. And also remember that Jesus is relevant. Sometimes we get caught thinking, oh, Jesus is for me, and I know he's for that that person or her, but we don't believe it in some way, shape, or form. I'm guilty of that. Now, that was that rang so true for me that Jesus is central and relevant in a back end of last year. In a Friday of last year, uh, I was accredited as a Baptist pastor. I went to the denomination and very godly, formal service, lots of prayers and commitments and all that kind of thing. That was Friday night. Saturday morning, I went on a weekend away with the soccer boys. Now, when I went on a weekend away with the soccer boys, it is like the opposite of what was happening on that accreditation service, let me tell you, um, with all the flagrant, revelous, ungodly things that were happening. Not, not by me, but by, by them. Now, in the quieter moments, uh, when they're sober and we're talking about life and all these kind of things, there was such opportunity to share the gospel with them. Remember this Colombian guy, um, from Colombia, so culturally Catholic heritage, talking to him about his walk in life, faith, the church, all this kind of stuff. And it got to the point where I could explain to him about Jesus, and just as clearly as I possibly could, with all my fumblings in between, shared uh, Jesus to him, and said that your relationship with God is received and achieved by grace. And I distinctly remember him looking at me, stopped, and he's like... <laughs> None that. No way. No way that's true. We're talking about God here, man. Like, God wouldn't do that. Surely we need to do something. I could explain to him, no, that's what grace is about, mate. A couple of hours later, I'm ch chatting with my other soccer mate. He's a secular Englishman from England, very secular, full of fear, full of anxiousness. And I could explain to him and share about how I have hope and peace and security in Christ. 
and that that can be available to him too. Then talking to my Slovakian mate, grown up in Australia, but that got, got that kind of heritage, works super hard, very invested in his job, very invested in his family, and could talk to him about meaning and purpose that is found in Jesus in the gospel, and how Jesus in the gospel actually makes sense and brings life to those things. Now, I'm not the greatest evangelist in the world, but no way, shape, or form. Plenty of times I don't know the best answers to their questions. A lot of the times I'm a little bit nervous about how they're going to treat me afterwards. Sometimes I'm sitting there chatting with them and I go, man, I wish someone else was chatting to you who knows this stuff better. I feel those insecurities. But in those moments, in God's sovereignty, the opportunity was open to me. And so I just share Jesus as I can. And as we share Jesus... As many people have said before, we're responsible for the sharing, but God is responsible for the saving. We're responsible to share the gospel and work as hard as we can in that walk and step with the Spirit, but God is the one who's responsible for the saving. So we, you, me, we might feel inadequate. We might feel like we don't know enough or we lack confidence. But amongst all, we genuinely do want other people to know Jesus. So you you can just trust God and share Jesus as you can. Share Jesus as you can. Whatever you know, whatever elements of the gospel, whatever way God has shaped you, share that. Whatever, just in, in any way, shape, or form that is capable for you in that moment. Now, before I was talking about the illustration of building a Lego car. Now, those Lego masters, we're probably not the equivalent of that in evangelism. Right? We don't have the, every skill and every access under the sun. But take, for example, my youngest son, Ezra. Ezra is not two yet, but he loves Lego and he loves cars. So he gets one Lego block with a couple of wheels, chucks them together and goes, car, car, car. That's all he can say. And it's just this infectiousness that you just hear within him. And you can just, he doesn't say this, but what he's saying, Dad, look at my car. Look how good it is. Use it. Try it. Play with me. He's building the car as he can. When we share the gospel, just share as you can. Now, the same can be said that we also need to get new blocks. Like, keep learning, keep growing. You take Ezra, let's say, give him five years. If he's still coming up to me in nappies, building a little block with three wheels and it going car, I'll probably, mate, come on, you know, you can, you can do a bit better than that. <sighs> I love the guy, but, you know, you're with me. In our, in our walk with sharing Jesus with others, in this moment, share Jesus as you can. And then continue to grow continue to learn, continue to build on that uh, and to trust in God as you do. Rely on the Spirit. So friends, as we go, embrace the gospel, know the person that you're seeking to share and then share the gospel with that person in that way. Continue to look, to soak yourself and look at Jesus. And as you then think deeply, thoughtfully, prayerfully about the people, person, that you're trying to reach, uh, you'll be able to do that with whatever God gives you. Now, in this week in home groups, we're going to dive deeper and explore kind of the, the particular application of this sermon. 
Spend some time thinking deeply about individuals or little groups of people that you know. How is it the gospel is going to directly connect with them? So if you're not in a home group, for far more reasons than this, we'd love to connect you in with one. If you are, uh, if you're also, if you're not able to, for whatever reason, shape or form, you can grab a booklet out the back there, go through study two. Go to the exercise at the back. Think deeply about the gospel and who you're trying to reach. And then, friends, as we go, as we go sharing this beautiful, good, true news, have hope. Have hope. Have hope that Jesus is still transforming lives. In Rebecca Bippett's book, she writes about the several challenges that you and I experience. How culture's changing. How many people in a culture are against Christianity and it's getting worse. How it's very challenge for us to share the gospel. Some of the methods that we used before don't work anymore. And she says, are Christians ready for this new age? Can we really communicate the gospel effectively? I emphatically say yes. Because though the context and the culture have changed, the power of the gospel has not. The riches, the resources that God has given all Christians are still the same. We can be hopeful We can share the message with the whole world that they so desperately need to hear. Friends, I'm hopeful with her. I trust that you are hopeful too. To be prayerful, we have the greatest news, we have the greatest relationship that anyone can possibly ask or even imagine for. Greater than that. Have hope that Jesus is still in the business of transforming lives to the glory of God. We have hope that he's returned, he will return, but he's not returned yet. There is breath in our lungs. The spirit is with us. It is the good news that this world needs to hear. So embrace the gospel. Know the person you're trying to reach and then share Jesus with them. And we'll watch God do the rest. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so thankful. We do not even, we appreciate the gospel in its beauty and in its goodness and its truth, uh, in part, in a sense, in its purity. But Father, help us to know in deeper, richer ways. Transform us by your spirit through the good news of your gospel. And Father, help us to think carefully, thoughtfully about our friends and our neighbours, how it is that your gospel is going to relate to them and help us to share as we can. Just multiply our feeble words. May your word go out. May your spirit go forth, transforming people. May we get the joy and you get the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.